Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. Spencer I'd like to take you back to uh, God it was deadline day uh, in the year 2000. Um, How did the move come about to City? I was so I was at Derby and and really enjoying my football there to be honest with you and I'd had a, a, a really really solid season uh, the one before, I think I played about 35 of the games and really had a good a good season, captained the side as well for a little bit. And um, I, was, I was loving my time at Derby. Um, and, I, and I sat down one day with Jim Smith and said, look, it's got, I'm, I'm really loving it. And, and, you know, I had a good relationship with Steve McLaren and Bill Bezik and Jim. And, you know, the, the, the season that, that then followed the club was struggling a little bit. And I said, look, you know, I'm loving it here. Can I, I, you know, I want to, I want to stay longer. And he's like, look, I don't know whether to give you a big fat contract or sell you. I was like, what? And the minute that sort of thing happens with a player, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're always thinking about potentially looking somewhere else. What I didn't realize was that Derby were in a bit of financial trouble at that time and they needed to sell someone to balance the books. So I didn't realise it was me that was going to be the one that was going to be sold. Uh, the, the interest came in from Man City and it, it all happened so quick. I finished up, once I got a sniff that there was interest, um, I spoke to Bill Bezik, who, despite having worked for Man United, is a massive Man City supporter. And Bill said, look, I'm I'm a I'm a blue. I want this. To, I want to make it happen as well for you. I said, all right, we'll go and talk to Jim and just try and get it all pushed through because you know it'd be it'd be it'd be good. You know, I'm, I'm it's something I'd really like to go and have a chat to him. So, um, got straight on the the minute that the club gave permission for me to go and talk to him. Got straight back on the on the road up the M6. Went and did a tour of the ground and. It met with Jim, uh, with Joe Royal straight away. And yeah, that was it. Fell in love with it. And it was a done deal. And, you know, I'll, I'll be, I, I love Derby and I love the club. I loved what they were trying to do. But the chance to go and play for Man City with the history and, you know, at the time the new ground wasn't even a vision. Um, so to... To have gone there, looked at the kit packs and gone, "What? This is this is next level." Um, always up for a challenge as well. So it was, it was an enjoyable time. That's how it all transpired. Yeah, I was. I mean, it, it was obviously uh, City were the league below at the time, but they were doing really well and uh, looking like yeah. they were like they were going to go up. Um, were you expecting to go up that year? Yeah, I, I'd say so. That the expectation was there within the playing group. And with the coaching staff, but we we were really calm with it as well. So 
we kept winning games and the club kept winning, but the teams around us also all kept winning as well. So I think it was Charlton that ran away with it and we were trying to stay on their tails, but I think it was Ipswich who was really close and we just couldn't shake them off. Like literally couldn't shake them off. And the boys were, were, you could see they were, you could see that they were at the stage of the season where it was going to go one or two ways. Either they were going to kick on or going to capitulate and potentially just miss out on everything because, you know, the, 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 the progress that had been made over the course of the two seasons prior, it was at that stage where it was going to, you know, just they had to keep the momentum going, which I think is part of the reason why I was brought in was just, just to give that little bit of a lift at, towards the end of the season. Um, so, yes, there was an expectation, but a realistic one as well. I was I was going to say though in that in that sense it it, it kind of was the momentum kick because I, I don't know if you I, I don't know if you know this but City had been uh, in the in it was the seven games before they'd not won in in any of the seven before you arrived and then they go on a winning streak as soon as you turn up so it's like it is a little bit of a of a shot in the arm isn't it It was a you know and I as I said I could sense that there was something going on in terms of the players and bit of fatigue and. That, that expectation to win week in, week out that, you know, had come from getting promotion from League One to the championship. And then in the championship at the start, the fans have that, that, that they had that expectation even then to, to keep going on a ride. So I didn't sense a, a case of panic that was going on with the players at the time. Um, it was a great bunch of lads and the reality, you know, they, they, they were just enjoying their football. And of course, they wanted to win, but they also knew that they should be winning. So, yeah, I didn't sense uh, uh, any anxiety in that side of it within the change room. Yeah. Well, do you still remember your debut uh, against West Brom? Yeah, Lee Hughes scored a great goal, and I think it was probably my fault, actually. (laughs) I think I got picked off by Lee Hughes, and he scored a, a great finish. But we did go on. Bob Taylor scored, I think. Yeah, so City, City came. City, I think they came from behind to win two one. And the, the 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 biggest thing on the debut was the the warm up and going to the school. You know, we used to because the players the players didn't warm up on the pitch, and it was it was a thing. I think that from the days that had gone gone before where they used to get booed when they came and warmed up during the warm-up and it sent a real negative mindset. So for the season before, rather than warming up on the pitch, they went to a little school round the corner, warmed up in a hall, sports hall, get back on the van, Chappie would drive through all the crowds and we'd get back into the changing room about 20 minutes before the game. And adapting to that sort of warm-up prior to the debut was something that I, I won't forget that, driving through the crowds. And they were on the player's side at that time, but um, that superstition that the club and the team seemed to have was really unique um, in terms of a warm-up. But yeah, from having warmed up to then 
going out the tunnel for the start of the game and seeing the full stadium. It was uh, pretty inspirational, actually. Something I yeah remember that a lot. Yeah, what what was it like when you? Because obviously you run out facing the Kipax. Yeah. So what what was that like? Again, I, I mean, I'd, I'd been fortunate enough, and, and most of the boys had played in front of big crowds as well before, right? But it it was a very unique, really knowledgeable football crowd. You know, I'm not I'm not so sure what it's like at, at the new stadium now, but it was it was diehard fans that had been through years of torment that you could sense there that they were so so much behind the team and there wasn't really negative negative tension within the crowd they were just fully supportive of the players and uh yeah really inspirational actually yeah, and then obviously the next couple of games, uh, you turn into a bit of a goal scoring centre off. Uh, you score, you kept scoring after after you arrived. The first one was against Crew, then it was three in four games. How did that happen? Like dead set. I mean, I've got no idea how that happened, and it's something that you know. Even looking back on it now, the goals were really were, were at times really important, but that that was something that was not in my locker. I wasn't bought in for that. Um, but it was always good to contribute, you know, and, and score the odd goal where when needed. And yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even, it wasn't even something when I was going up for free kicks in corners. I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm on a roll here. I'm going to score again. Um, you know, there were other centre halves that I played with that that had that ability right throughout their career. Whether that was the likes of Andy Morrison or Steve Howey or even going into back to South End with players like Adam Barrett or Eagle, you know, at Derby, the, those, those centre-backs that really, really scored lots of goals. I mean, not in my locker, but it helped and it contributed something. So, yeah, I, um, I embraced it while, it while it happened, but it wasn't something that I thought would ever be repeated again. Yeah, I mean the the other thing I'm interested in from that season as well is um, there was there was a lot of talk around Nicky Weaver as a as a young goalkeeper and and kind of like the England settle. What was it like to play with with someone like that behind you, a good a confident goalkeeper at that time? What does that do for a centre off and a young keeper as well, right? You know, a real youngster that was so dynamic and Weaver's Weaver's full of personality and life and. Um, epic banter off the pitch and on the pitch as well. So, you know, we, as a team, when we played, yeah, we were we were professional in terms of how we approach stuff on the pitch. The communication that come, would come from Weaves, it was all super calm. For a young lad, not flustered at all, um, really agile, dominated his box and... Gave you confidence as a centre back, having a, a really good young keeper behind you. You didn't feel in any way that you had to protect him. He was he 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 was fully integrated and um, conducted himself like a senior keeper. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about that um, that Friday night game against Birmingham, the uh, the second to last game of the season. Um, it's a really tight game. City go and win it one nil. Uh, did you think it, that it was job done at that point? The fans run on the pitch. Are you, are you, are you thinking it's it's done? We're up. Yeah, a hundred percent. We were looking for. We were done. Like that was. We'd already talked about 
winning, you know, we if we win the game, we, we'd already, uh, the conversation had happened like we, we thought if we win this game, we're up, right? The conversation had been done to the point that a couple of us had said, oh, it'd be right funny if we can rock up at Blackburn and wear gazelles to play in and just like proper cruisy. But as it turned out, I mean, we, we obviously went on and nicked it at the end, but when 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 Ipswich then went and won at Charlton, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so, so Charlton top of the league, Ipswich uh, third, and, and like you, you're not expecting them to go to Charlton. It wasn't. Do. It really wasn't. Look, I've got to be honest. My recollection of games, I, I reckon, uh, I, I really struggle to have recollection of, of games and stuff. But that whole run in is something that, yeah, I I'll remember that. And yeah, we jagged it at the end against Birmingham. We thought we'd done it. And then we were all watching and we couldn't believe Ipswich have gone and beaten Charlton at Charlton, sent it to the Blackburn game. I, I honestly thought, both physically and mentally, that the players, you know, I, I, I honestly went into the Blackburn game thinking it was going to be something that would have been beyond us. And that's no disrespect to any of the boys, but I think the mental fatigue that had been building up thinking we'd done it to then go again for another week was, I thought, potentially something that would have been too much. And, you know... Did it did it did it start that way? Because like like you, you think of that Blackburn game. Blackburn were, were on top for a good, for the first half. So was that was that one of the contributing factors? Do you think? Look, we didn't do anything special in a week to prepare for that Blackburn game. I got to be honest. It was a normal training week. There was no there was no big hoo ha. We might have been scrambling around to get a couple of tickets, but it was a normal week. It wasn't being treated as a cup final. It was just a normal training week. And Willie and Joe. We're, we're brilliant at that, at maintaining that it would just be a normal week, right? So, standard training week, nothing special. Um, got into the game. And, and you know what? You might be right that the first half was just, just it, it, it kind of went over our head. And we, we tried to stay in the game as much as we could. I think the week before, Charlton had got promoted at, Blackburn. Graham Sooney said like, or two weeks before, they've got promoted at Blackburn. And Graham Sooney has said, no team is going to come here and repeat that. Like, this is our, our fortress and we don't we don't want that. So the motivation for Blackburn wasn't just to, to stop Man City getting promoted. It was to stop that, that whole repeat of teams and clubs celebrating at Ewood Park. And they, and they can't, they, everyone knows the game, right? They, they smashed us. First off, they absolutely annihilated us. And they were hitting the bar and the post and the ball was bouncing back into Weaves' hands off the post. We were just like rabbits in a headlight, but we got in and I can't say there was any any incredibly motivational speech from Joe at halftime. We were just kind of sat there and were like, what just happened? We just, somehow we're still in this game. Um and then, and then we went out, and and the, the, the rest is history, right? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember chatting to uh, Nicky Weaver about that game, uh, and he said the the moment where Ashley Ward hit the post and it dropped back into his hands, he just thought, I, "We can't lose this game." <laughs> oh no! 
And I played with Wardy at, uh, I played with Wardy at Norwich. And you could tell, like, it wasn't an end-of-season game that these boys were ready to get on a plane and go off to Magaluf or La Manga or wherever they wanted to go on their holidays. They were pumped. They were so pumped to, to try and beat us. Um, they were more pumped to win the game than we were pumped to win the game. And that's not, that's not that we didn't want to win it. It was just you could tell they were so, so up for it. And I can't say, I won't say it wasn't that we were up for it. We just couldn't compete with them in the first half. Um, no matter what we tried, it was, it was, yeah, it was a constant battle. I think the defining point was once we scored, when we got the first goal, and we actually just really then realised, um, you know, that the, the amount of people we had in the stadium, that was like a, a, a massive motivator and a huge lift. But also, they, they'd gone. That was them then. That was them um, starting to think about their holidays. But, you know, we, we scored two goals super quick. And, yeah, double, double killed them. Double killed yeah. them. Did, did, you, did you know on the pitch that Ipswich were winning as well? Did you, did you know that you had to get the job done? No. No, not at all. I, I didn't. Some of them might have. You know, people like Mark Kennedy were really close to Joe that, uh, uh, playing down that side. I think he might have known. But no, I didn't I didn't get a sense of it at all. I didn't get a sense from the crowd. It was just, it was like you go into a little zone as a player and you're just concentrating on what's going on on the pitch here at the in this moment. And it was that sort of game. Yeah. Just trying to win your own battle and stay in the game. And once we scored the first and we got the second, Really quickly, you know, the, the the Christian Dalian goal really set it off as well, and it was just, yeah, the the the, the sail had gone from or the wind had gone from their sail, and it was just, I wouldn't say it then became party time. Once we got the, the third goal, then you the boys doing the, the conga down the, the the far side, it was um, it was it was a moment to sort of partly enjoy and embrace and celebrate what was going on but also at the same time you know myself and players like like myself who was a I still had a job to do because I didn't want to you know we didn't want them to get back into the game so it was really crucial they didn't get back in I'd also at one point I think they'd had a set piece and um, Ashley Wall tried an over a kick and volleyed and, and he was trying to overhead kick and I'd come over the top of him and headed it and he volleyed me right in the kidneys and it was like oh and I'm gone down and I was absolutely smashed uh, I, I've got to be honest it, it I was carrying that for the last 20-30 minutes and trying to stay in the game and trying to stay concentrating because it was it, it was probably one of the the most excruciating pains in the, as an injury I'd had but there was no way I was going to leave the pitch because of you know I wanted to be there at the end and celebrate with everybody yeah I was going to ask what that was like because uh, I mean all four sides of Ewood Park were filled with City fans there was the pitch invasion they were all on the hill so 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 what, what was it like as soon as that final whistle went I couldn't get off the pitch the other boys like for the first that was the quickest I'd ever seen Bish run like Dead said, he was he wasn't the fastest, but it was the fastest I'd seen him run to get to the changing room. 
But I was stuck on the pitch. I'd gone, I couldn't get off. And I literally, by the time I got off the pitch, I all I had on was my pants. Like the boys were lucky enough to, the fans were lucky enough to leave me wearing my pants, but my boots and shot socks and my, all my kit had gone. I got down to the tunnel and and like I said, I'm still in, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm still in a lot of pain and and uh, I'm, I'm emotionally drained, completely drained from um, the experience and, and not just that one game, but the, mag, the, the cumulative nine games, the concentration that was needed, I'm just done, I'm spent. Um, I remember at the time um, getting grabbed by a journalist who is now one of my closest friends, Simon Hill, who's now working down in in, in Oz. He came he came up to me and I, I didn't even know him at the time. Gave us a great big wet kiss on the cheek and that was it. And I'd gone in the change room. By the time I got in, the boys are all popping champagne and doing all sorts of bits like they they were, but. Yeah, I was stuck on the pitch for quite a long time. So, uh, yeah, mentally gone, shot, um, but relieved. I think the biggest sense of uh, emotion would be relief. Yeah. Then obviously the next summer, um, a few signings came in. I, w- I wanted to ask about a couple in particular, because obviously I, I think you played with Paolo Wanchop at, at Derby uh, yeah. briefly. Um, and I mean, the, the one that, that excited me as a, as, a, as a City fan at the time was George Ware. I, I mean, this, this, was, this was Manchester City, my football club, signing a former World Player of the Year. Like, like what, what was he like? What, what was it like when, when he arrived? So we, um, yeah, Choppy came in and I was buzzing because he was a great player. And, and I knew his capabilities, his physical capacity, goal scoring ability. Obviously, like, like you say, when, Joe, when, when Georgie Ware comes in, you're going, oh my God, this is... What's going on here? This is Man City. We'd moved from Car- we'd moved from Platt Lane to Carrington, and it was a bit of a dump, to be honest. The pitches weren't brilliant. They were that clayey mud that just clog up all your boots. And it was still in the process of being transferred, and no one had used it into a facility that we could actually go out and use. Um, so we, we'd go and train up there, and it was a bit windy. And um, George Kane... I think his first training session, we might have done a bit of a shooting practice and he was blazing it everywhere. He was slipping all over the place. And Joe went, I think I've, I think I've signed his brother. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was an interesting signing, put it that way. I, I can't say that, I can't say I bonded with, with him. And, you know, I just felt at the time that he, he wanted, you know, he, he had his standards, which are, you know, they're, they're, they're outstanding, right? And, and he had an incredible career. And, you know, with all due, but with all due respect, we were Man City. We were a bunch of boys that they were two seasons ago. They're playing in League One. Now they're in the Premier League. It took a bit of time for us to adjust and, and adapt to the Premier League standards. But what we didn't need was people going public and saying that, you know, they want more. It was, you know, we wanted the group to be pretty tight-knit. Um, and he kind of kept himself to himself for most of the time. So it was great that he was there. And it's great for the club that they've had George Ware playing for him. But I can't say it was the most inspirational signing and the best. I wouldn't put him in. I wouldn't even put him in the top five strikers I played with. But that's just based on where he was at when he came to Man City. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously that that season was uh, was tough. Um, it, it finished. We, with... up, we, we weren't ready. Yeah, like you know, the expectation was to go up, but we weren't ready to go up. You know, the, when you could, when you have back to back promotions, there's of, often like a little bit of a correction that can happen. Unfortunately, we weren't able to have that stability and stabilise for one season in the Prem. We just weren't ready for it, um, and. You know, I, I, I'm still super proud of being part of the journey to get up to the Prem, which probably put the club back on the map as a, as a, a Premier League club. Um, but, yeah, we weren't ready. Yeah, well, I mean, it was obviously obviously that night at Ipswich was uh, was hard to take, but it, it obviously it doesn't it isn't you're not relegated on one game. It's a, it's an entire season. 100%. Um, what 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 was it like when you when you left the pitch that that night? Because obviously, um, you know, the end of the season, Joe Royal loses his job, and and you know, the, the, there's change coming and there's change in the wind. But what what was it like when you were leaving the pitch at Portman Road? Um, a bit of shock, actually. A bit of shock. I mean, we hadn't, we, we were fighting, we were fighting to stay in. Um, I think, I, I just don't, I, I don't think we, you know, you, 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 you tend to finish up where you, where you deserve to be. And we were still going to try and keep fighting and fighting and fighting until the end. And we were quite a tight knit group. But, it was a, it was it was a shock and it was a disappointment, but it had been building through the season, the expectation. And when you're constantly trying to look up and and survive, you know, I've I've done survival stuff before. It is completely different at the Premier League level, you know. And yeah, it was it was a disappointment and a frustration. And yeah, of course, Joe lost his job and and I finished up leaving as well and you know there was a lot of change but but it it, it probably needed change you know it, it, the club needed change to get back up to the premier league and you know i i think i think the change was probably a thing for the better yeah is it is it that is it that chasing that's the hard thing because I, I think i think that season when city dropped into the relegation zone they never quite got out of there again is it is it that that Kind of the need to catch up with somebody else that is that is just really hard. It's an it's not only that, but when you're a club like the size of Manchester City, you don't you don't you don't want to be the club that gets a Man City on a roll, potentially putting you in trouble. So when you're in that bottom three and you see it even now with the likes of Norwich, right? No one wants to be the team that's going to lose to Norwich. And at the time, we were we were we were the team that were fighting for our lives and and. You know, other clubs, sport's pretty ruthless and they want to be the team that sends you down. They don't want to be the team that's going to help you survive. And, yeah, it was it was tough. It was it was a constant, you know, the, the, the players having gone through two seasons of winning and having a real winning mentality were then sort of celebrating if we picked up a draw or, or a win. And it was a different mindset and one that I don't think the players were really used to. Um, yeah, it was super tough, really tough season. Yeah, uh, Spencer, just to finish, I'd just like to ask you about uh, what you're up to these days because uh, it won't have escaped people's notice that uh, there's a little bit of an Australian twang in your accent these days. So, uh, you're, you're living down under, 
I've been there for 15 years. So when I went back to South End and, you know, we finished in South End in 2006 and then um, my wife had already been, my wife had had, um, decided to go and have a little recce. You know, we moved back to South End and went, oh, pretty, pretty average. There's got to be more life than this. So Claire and a friend decided to go to Sydney for a recce, fell in love with it. Got three girls, thought, oh, it's a great place to bring the kids up. And we just went and did it in 2006. Um, got ourselves over there, no jobs, no schools, no work, just no house, absolute bunkers, right? So it took us maybe, oh, I reckon 10 to 10 years to get settled and find our way and establish what we, you know, what, what it's all about. And, um, yeah, so Sydney's home, um, and in the meantime, I've done a little bit of coaching. So I was with the women's national team at the 2011 World Cup with Australia um, as an assistant coach. And then in 2015, I was the head coach of Thailand women's national team. Um, and I'm just doing a little bit of coaching over there and, and got myself a normal job. So I'm doing recruitment, working in recruitment. Um, I probably, I probably realised that I'd be good at sales when I managed to convince the GOAT to come and play down at South End for a season. Because if I could sell South End to the GOAT, I can sell anything, literally. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at at the moment. 